listening to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. I'm Sarah Morris, and on today's episode, we continue our holiday families in the Guard theme from last year. And Joe and I sit down with Colonel Jonathan Bettle, Private Jordan Bettle, and Cadet Joshua Bettle. During our conversation, we talk about what made the Bettles join the Washington Army National Guard, what it's like having a high-ranking father, and what they would say to other families that are considering joining the Guard. Enjoy! Bigfoot country is earthquake country. If an earthquake were to happen right now, what would you do? When you feel the ground shaking, drop, cover, and hold on. Do not run, or you may be injured by things falling. Remember, if you are near the ocean, the ground shaking is your warning that a tsunami may be coming. After the shaking stops, move to high ground and stay there. Make sure to listen to local emergency officials. Have enough supplies to be self-sufficient for two weeks after a disaster. For more information about earthquakes in Washington, visit mill.wa.gov preparedness. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. Okay, so today Joe and I are joined. Um, this is going to be our very first shot at a Teams podcast recording, so bear with us. And uh, today we're talking to Colonel John Bettle and his two sons as a family of the guard podcast, uh, hopefully coming out Christmas time. And so, sir, if you'll just introduce yourself, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Colonel John Bettle. I'm the current Chief of Staff to the Washington Army National Guard. And I have with me my two sons, my oldest, who is 19, uh, Cadet uh, Joshua Bettle, who goes to Central Washington University, and my younger son, Jordan Bettle, who is a private in 3rd Battalion, 161 Infantry, who has completed basic and headed off to AIT in January. So uh, I think my first question is, uh, what what led you to the Guard, sir? So I, I came to the Guard um, as a second lieutenant. I, I initially commissioned uh, with the intent of going on to active duty, uh, but did not uh, for a variety of reasons, but the biggest one being that as a second lieutenant with a two-year degree, I needed to go back to school to finish my four-year degree, which I did. And in the meantime, I figured if I'm in the guard, I have a little bit of money for school and living expenses. So I did that and went to Washington State University, finished my degree there, and never left. Liked it and ended up getting into the full-time program and stuck with it. So what did you branch? I'm sorry, I missed that part. Infantry. Infantry. And so how did that look in how did that how did that look throughout your time in the Washington National Guard? Um, it worked out pretty well. Um, there was uh, I joined in the 90s, so I came in in 1996, 
Um, in, in those days, things were a lot different than they are now. Uh, I waited two years to go to OBC. So I didn't even go to OBC until I'd been a platoon leader of two different platoons. Uh, they sent me off to OBC, then I came back to, to, to the state, finished my four-year degree, went to a couple of smaller courses along the way, but things, things were vastly different back then. Um, now, when you join the Guard, um, fairly soon after either commissioning or joining, uh, they send you off to basic training, AIT, case of officers, officer basic course, or now, now BOLIC, basic officer leadership course. Uh, and then whatever functional schooling that you need, whether that's learning how to fly a helicopter, going to ranger school, going to mortar school, pick a thing. Um, anyway, they they now program that at the very front. Um, and really, I think it is a reflection of the way that the guard is employed now. We don't have the kind of time to wait for people uh, to go off to school, you know, over a period of years. Whereas now we want folks to be qualified so that we can put them into the fight, whether that's here at home. You need to have an MOS usually uh, in order to support the state, uh, or if it's overseas, or an overseas contingency operation or some other type of. So then, uh, Cadet Battle, um, what led you to join the Guard? Uh, why Central Washington? As a Central alum, I always ask people that question. So, uh, yes, sir. I joined the Guard um, because growing up, uh, my family was. Uh, always somewhere around other soldiers. Uh, I we were on. I grew up on a military base. I went to a, mil, uh, a school on a military base, and so everybody, uh, everybody knew the army. And I just wanted to be a part of that group. Uh, I wanted. I I became friends with my dad's friends when they came over, um, and they all always had stories to tell. And after leaving our, the army base, going to a high, a high school where I was the only military kid, um, I saw the difference and I just decided that uh, the army was a motivated group of people that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and then I chose Central, uh, honestly, because my mom told me to go to a different school. Um, I was supposed to go uh, be a cougar. I was like, I, I don't think so. so. Um, and I wouldn't have been part of the family if I was a husky. So I had to <laughs> what, uh, what's your plan? Do you have a, do you want to stay in the guard? Do you want to go active duty? Yeah, I'm going to stay in the guard. I might do AGR one day um, and that's active guard. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not really certain at this point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also not really certain what my job is going to be either. Um, we'll see. So, do you have... Do you have any preference for branching? Yeah, I'm either going to fly a helicopter or go infantry. One of the two. Everybody loves flying helicopters. Everybody wants to fly helicopters. That's always the number one uh, branching. It's easier in the guard, though, if there's a slot. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then. Awesome. Uh, private uh, battle. Yeah, private battle. What led you to join the guard? Um, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Okay, I, I guess I joined the guard because I like shooting guns and stuff like that. So I was thinking, uh, you know, drill every weekend. I can shoot guns and get paid to do it. So oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. um, are you going to take the, the swing to the officer side at some point? I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't like paperwork. So <laughs> basically a lot of paperwork. Uh, I, and I 
wanted to be in the National Guard because uh, yeah, just in case I want to go on a deployment or something. I know lots of people that are in the big army that haven't been on deployments because they can't really request it. And then I came in the National Guard, so I thought, yeah, might as well go National Guard. But, uh, and so were you split, or sorry, are you, were you split option since you did one and then the other, you're waiting for AIT, is that what I heard, right? Uh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Is your, uh, is your plan to be done with AIT and then go on the deployment with three the 161? Yes, sir. Very nice. What's the best part so far uh, about uh, being enlisted in the Guard? Having been enlisted, it's a, it's, I, I agree, it's a much better route than the officer side sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I think it's fun shooting guns and stuff. Uh, throwing grenades, that was really cool. Very and I people, so. so. I mean, so public affairs officers get to uh, go everywhere to do all of things. I mean, I've pulled a triple seven string, I've shot a mortar, I've shot big guns, small guns. We get to, we get to fly across state in helicopters all the time. Jump seat. Ramp serve. Hang, hang out with former Secretary of Defenses. <laughs> um, I, I think for the two boys, uh, and Sarah, you probably have this this kind of question on your mind too, is what kind of stuff have you guys gotten, you know, like knowledge and guidance from your dad, you know, so early in your careers already? <laughs> They're like, I'm like, I don't know. Not the Army, uh, you know, until I told me. I don't really know what's going on most of the time. Unless Either my dad or my brother explains it to me. So I always I, I ask my dad questions all the time. I'll finish a class and I'll be like, well, that was kind of confusing. And I call him up and I'm like, hey dad, we learned this, this, and this, but I don't understand how that connects to the bigger picture. And one of the unique opportunities of having the chief of staff as your dad is he not only done everything, but he he, he looks at everything. He gets to uh, see what every single unit is doing and how they work together. Uh, and those that kind of information allows me to ask questions and draw lines between different things and, and just understand how the Army works on a bigger scale. At school, we're just supposed to learn how to be a lieutenant. Um, but I get to learn how to be a captain and I earn that eventually. Um, and then I also am able to answer a lot of questions that my friends have. Like, I don't really know what to do. I All I have is uh, uh, classes to, to go off of. They don't get the opportunity to drill with the unit or do anything with the guard. And so uh, they ask me questions, and if I can't answer it, I, I've pushed them on my dad. He's done like interviews with other students. Uh, and all, all that together uh, is a, a resource that I think has made me better. I, I, don't, I think it's kind of an unfair advantage sometimes. Um, but I always try to share share that with with my with my friends. Like well, then on the flip side, what are the bad parts about having your dad be the chief of staff of the army of the net for the Washington Army National Guard? Well, I'm gonna just tell a little story. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm standing or sitting or working or doing something and somebody walks into the room and they might have a little bit of gray hair and they look over they look around the room just to see who's there and they're like 
oh, I recognize that name. And they come over. They don't even say anything sometimes. They just pull out their phone and take a selfie and say, send this to your dad. And that happens all the time. And then other times people say, yeah, I recognize that name. Do you know somebody else in the army? And I'm like, yeah, you might know Private Battle. They already know him. So, I mean, I might as well have some fun with it. Yeah. And then I, I always have sergeants who are just like, oh my goodness, you're only on orders because your dad's a colonel. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So there's always stuff like that. Um, but I, I genuinely, I, I generally have a good experience. I, I meet, I meet a lot of people that were like, oh yeah, I deployed with your dad. He's a cool guy. And then um, maybe I get to know him or work with him and they're like, yeah, you're just, you're just like your daddy. You're going to do great. And so just, I don't know. It's just all, I, I, I like it. It's give and take. Um, I mean, there's always going to be a downside to having your dad be the chief of staff and a, a full board colonel. <laughs> yeah, my Jordan has stories from basic about that. Uh, all right, let's hear it. Well, at basic, they asked us when we first got there if we had any relatives in the army. And so I told them yes, uh, against my better judgment. And uh, so then they called me Fulbert son for like the rest of the time I was there. Oh, fantastic. And new, even drill sergeants that I've never talked to, they'd be like, hey, they're Fulbert son. And then, you know, they'd just yell at me. It's just uh, how it is. It's just how it is. So, sir, and then this question's for you. I mean, being now you have two sons in the guard kind of following your footsteps. Um, I mean, obviously pride is one emotion you probably have, but what are some other things, you know, benefits that you've seen with your sons being in the guard? Um, there's a couple. Um, number one, they're, they're a forward sensor for me. So I know that we produce a lot of great ideas. Uh, we produce a lot of bad ideas in the staff. Um, and then that translates into guidance from the CG to the units. Uh, and then I figure out in short order whether or not the message is received on the bottom end. Uh, typically it's not. So it's it's frustrating when, you know, we, we put out a call for volunteers and then all the units report, nope, we talked to everybody and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get anybody. Or when we ask the units to do a particular training event or Whatever it might be, there's a you know variety of things that you know, particularly in the COVID, where things are changing rapidly. We provide a lot of information down, and then when I ask on the other end, because they're on the, the long end of the string here, I'm at the beginning of it, they're at the end. And did you hear about X, Y, or Z? Never heard of it. Um, they're not the only ones. I mean, they've got they've got friends that are in the same boat, and sometimes. The message makes it all the way down. Sometimes the message doesn't. So that's one. Um, so they're they're a good indicator as to what we're doing and whether or not the message is being received. Um, I think the other um, supposed negative consequence um, is that I get frustrated because I know how things are supposed to go. That's not necessarily the experience that they're having. And I think it has to do with the first one, with the communication not making it all the way down. And, and what I found is with the pace of operations that we have going right now between our overseas deployment preps, the training and preparation for NTC, uh, COVID, uh, which is 
occupying 800 or so of our soldiers at the moment, um, that things are are lost, and that's that's a little bit frustrating to me because I know we work really hard uh, in order to bring together the resources to make things happen for units, and it's not happening when you talk to the individual soldier. And that's that's two sensors, right? I mean, I have I have others as well, but um, it, it's just a a little bit of frustration, I guess, on, on my part. Um, obviously, um, I'm happy that they joined the Guard. I'm happy they joined the Army as opposed to another service. I, I think it's good because it provides uh, provides a lot of opportunity. I mean, it, it can change your life in ways that you don't expect. You know, you could meet um, a spouse. You could you know, have a child in a military hospital at low to no cost. They can't, but you know, a spouse could. Um, They've, they've got access to educational resources and opportunities that a lot of people will never get. And Jordan's not even 18 years old. Shortly after his 18th birthday, if everything works out the way that it's supposed to, he'll be in Europe for the next year with his unit under the leadership of the NCOs and officers that we have in that battalion, which is one of our better battalions, um, and getting the experience of his life at 18 years old, out of the country when the vast majority of Americans never even leave the United States. So they don't understand, um, most of the other Americans, I should say, don't understand or experience how good it is here by not having been here. And when you go to a place that um, is different from where you are, your perspective is altered uh, because you realize that not everything is as great as it is right here in America. And I think that it's good that he gets out and gets that experience. You know, early in life, it will change what he does for the rest of his life. You know, the way that he approaches people and the way that he approaches problems. Maybe good, maybe bad. That's yet to be seen. You know, as to what the impact will be um, on him personally. But it's, it's a good opportunity. And like he said, um, he was able to choose that. You know, whereas join the regular army, you don't really get to choose a whole lot after you've picked an MOS. You're, you're at the whims of the army. You're just part of the big green machine. You know, here, because it's a smaller group of people, there's only about 6,000 of us, very easy to navigate your way from place to place, unit to unit, opportunity to opportunity. Um, sometimes it picks you, sometimes you pick it, but, but either way, you, know, you can build a reputation and then with that, uh, you can be fully successful if you want to, or you can just do three or six years and get out. But either way, you'll make friends too, and that's the other piece. Being being associated with this organization, you meet meet people that you'll know for the rest of your life. And if you play your cards right and foster those relationships while you're in, then those can pay dividends for not just you, but for your family later and then other people. I don't know how many people have joined the Guard because they've been referred by somebody who is in the Guard or have gotten a job because they know someone that's in the Guard. And so you, you get into get into this organization and it can be life altering. Now, that's not initially what you asked, but that's kind of a tangent. I to say. Yeah, ta tangents are good on the podcast. Trust me, we love tangents. I think Girl Sellers had like a 20 minute tangent like that one time. Yeah, we love anytime you can just like keep going. We're like, all right, cool. We don't have to talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, and you, you hit it, you hit it on the head. So, I mean, uh, you know, people usually get referred, you know, we have people that refer people to the guard because they're already in the guard and they know somebody in the guard. And we heard one of those stories this weekend with 
Colonel DeSophie and now his retirement after 37 years in service, he was referred by then, I think, Colonel Barlow, who ended up becoming the adjutant general of the Guard. And so, I mean, you hit it right on the head. You know, a lot of the time it's people in the Guard. You already know them. We're all we're all over the place. And that's how they end up. You end up in the Guard. So I was a product of I know I knew nobody in the Guard. And I walked in a recruiter's office one day. And that is definitely not the typical way you do it. So I learned. So I, I had today um, a discussion with um, the Brigade Sergeant Major of the 96th Troop Command, and he has a list on his wall. He's attempting to map out who all of the commanders and sergeants major have been of the Troop Command. Mm-hmm. And he stopped at 2002 on the commander side, and I recognized the name, and I said, oh, I know that guy. And he said, how do you know him? So at the time, Colonel Oxley was the guy who stood up the Troop Command he was the father of one of my high school, one of my high school buddies. We were in the same grade, um, and we were both in ROTC in high school. He came in as a guest speaker and talked about, hey, you know, everybody here is Army, Navy, Air Force, whatever, whatever direction you're going to go. He said, but you also need to understand that you don't have to do it full time. And he explained the difference between the National Guard, the Army Reserve, Air Force Reserve, Air National Guard, Marine Corps Reserve. Um, and I remember that. And then here I am. 25, 26 years later, and his name's written on a whiteboard. And you know, I think he was the chief of staff when he retired. I met that guy when I was a junior in high school. <laughs> you know, and so because it's local, you know, those those kinds of things are going to happen. There's a lot of people that are connected with some of the larger either RPC programs or high schools in the area. They grew up in Tacoma. People are like, oh, well, do you go to Curtis or do you go on the Clover Park side or do you go, you know, so it's it's a lot more uh, familial and familiar than it would be in the regular army because in the regular army you've got large groups of people from all over the, the, the country and in some cases you know, outside of the country as well um, that are in that organization that have very little common background whereas you come here if nothing else you associate with the fact that you live in washington state and washington state has things that it cares about from the seahawks to used to be the kingdom uh, but we have a so have the Tacoma Dome, got Mount Rainier. Um, so you can relate to people, if nothing else, based on the geography. And then you start getting into the culture and who knows who. You know, it's a it's a good way to you know, navigate through life because with people with a similar, if not exactly the same, but definitely similar experiences, simply based on we've experienced a lot of the same things because we're here together. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting that way. Yeah, so having been a cadet, and this kind of goes to cadet battle, um, I, so I was a group of people, I think there was about eight of us that were already in the Guard, and we did ROTC, and we ended up staying in the Guard, um, and I always talked to a lot of my, my classmates that were active duty, um, and, and they always give me the same kind of thought, you know, if I, if I had thought about it and knew what I wanted to do with my, my life outside the Army, I would have went to the Guard, and I, or I would have tried to become an AGR. Um, are you kind of seeing a little bit of that too, even as a cadet now, uh, you got freshmen that are like, Hey, I'm going home and do 20 years active duty. Um, it, you know, being somebody who's already kind of thinking about the guard, you kind of giving them that same conversation of here's why I, I would consider the guard. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of that. I talk to a lot of cadets that are, um, that are going to be active duty and I'm like, well, why are you going to be active duty? And they're like, oh, I thought that's really what, what the options were. It's not really very well explained. And so as a result of that, 
I've become known as the cadet who just every I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Cadet Bettles. Good to meet you. Welcome to the program. Have you considered the Minuteman Scholarship? And I I have conversations with people all the time. They're like, why would I do that? And I explain. It's like, well, you get to go join a, a, a unit when you're in ROTC. You get to gain that experience. You have unique opportunities that nobody else has. Uh, for example, I was uh, I got I'm an I'm an MS2. Uh, the highest I'm supposed to be do, uh, the highest responsibility I'm supposed to have in my program is I'm supposed to be a team leader. Um, as because I'm part of the unit, because I'm part of the guard, I got the opportunity to go on a mission. And um, when after after I had proven myself to be reliable, um, they made me a platoon leader. Um, and so I got I got to bring that experience back to the program and share that. And I I'm always just trying trying to invite people like, hey, I have people who uh, would be willing to bring guys on uh, on drill and you can try stuff out. Um, that's the biggest the biggest thing for me is just the, the number of things I can try. I can ride in helicopters and I can sit in strikers and shoot big guns before anybody else gets to do it. And I'm always talking to them like anybody can do this. There's there's nothing stopping you. And then at the same time, um, because I already know where I'm going, I I have a different way to get there than maybe some other cadets do. So uh, because I'm in the guard, my job is to make friends and to learn and to um, And I, you I get paid. Say, so, uh, yeah, I get paid. You get uh, paid. Paying for school, I, I, I have a scholarship and my uh, and, and the pay from the uh, missions I'm going on, I could pay for school twice. And I'm the only cadet in my program that I think could do that. Um, and I tell them that too. I. There's there's no better opportunity I think for a college student than I I really get my my GI bill every month my GI bill kicker every month uh, my tuition was covered by tuition assistance and then and Colonel Bettle knows him uh, now uh, I think Colonel Jay Briggs uh, he said before I even walked out of the uh, out of the office the day I signed up for our the ROTC program at Central he was like hey. We're going to put you in for the the GRFD, the Guaranteed Reserve Forces Scholarship. That paid for my housing and my books on top of everything. I was walking out of college with money. Then in 30000 in debt, I had 30000 in savings. So Yeah, it's exactly the same. I And one of the other opportunities I get in the Guard is now that I have this extra money, because I had a very similar thing. I have uh, part of my dad's uh, GI Bill. I have my own GI Bill now. Um, I have my scholarship. And now that I have a little bit of money to work with, uh, well, what, what can I do with it? Well, I'm, I met a, a captain uh, who taught me how to invest. He said, I'm not teaching this. I'm not teaching you this for you. I'm teaching you this that you can teach other people. You can help them out. Um, and that's, that's the other thing I would give the guard. Everybody's good at something and everybody has something to teach you. And I think if you went active duty, everybody is just good at the army. That's what they've been. That's the only thing they've been training to do. But in the guard, you'll meet electricians and you'll meet bankers and you'll meet everybody. And all that experience coming together, I I, I would argue I'm a I'm a different person than I was a year ago, just because I've been able to learn and practice so many different things. Do they still pay? Uh, so it's a simultaneous membership program, right? So then, do they still pay the E5 rate? for when you drill or when you're on any kind of order status? Yep, I mean, it's, uh, I'm paid as an E5. Okay. After I, after people ask me, like, well, what are you supposed to be? Uh, and I'm like, well, 
you can say I'm an E5, but I also get to be whatever the commander tells me to be. So when I first joined and I was, I didn't have a uniform, I showed up to drill the first time and they're like, hey, you want to stick around today instead of just visiting? I'm like, heck yeah. And so I, I like, I, I, I launched a, I launched a drone on my very first day and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, and what I was there was, I, I was, I was a visitor. I was there to learn. Um, and once I got a little bit better, I got a little bit older, um, a little bit more experience in the army. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not just the visitor. I'm actually a soldier, right? They, they, uh, I was welcomed into the group. Um, and then, uh, after a, a year and a half of ROTC, I can I can be whatever. I've been a platoon leader. I've been the equivalent of a private. Uh, and the other benefit that I get is, uh, as a cadet, because nobody really recognizes what I am. I'm not. I'm, again, I'm not really supposed to be anything specific. I can talk to anybody. I can sit down with a private, and they're completely comfortable with talking to me because they see me as their equal. And I can sit down with a sergeant, and they say, and they they feel like they're helping train another future leader, and they can they will say things to me that they won't say to anybody else. And at the same time, I can go talk to a colonel, and I can just spend the day with them, and they're willing to talk to me and teach teach me things. I get to jump the chain the the chain of command a little bit because my job is to learn. Awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. I feel I feel you though, because my mom was in the Air Force. So she was she was unlike you, sir, disappointed that I joined the the army instead of the Air Force. I can't believe you said you were so glad they chose the army over over the air guard. <laughs> but um she was a JAG in, in the Air Force for her her 20 year career. So actually the uh, from an officer standpoint, having that kind of information has been invaluable. So I 100% understand Cadet Buttle's <laughs> excitement in having the lifeline back to the parent who sort of can help you when you're trying to figure out where you belong in the scheme. Because I know as a as a young lieutenant, for a lot of lieutenants, it's it's hard to figure it out. It is. That is very hard sometimes. Um, and then, I mean, for private battle, you know, the, the biggest thing I could, I want to say is, hey, have fun at basic or at AIT. Um, and then on the deployment, your dad kind of mentioned, I mean, this is a once in a lifetime thing. Um, for, I, yeah, I was, I think when I deployed, I was 19 and I went to six different countries. Like Poland was not one of them. I would love to go to Poland. So Right. My first out of country was to Uganda. Oh, because I saw that they were in Poland. <laughs> yeah, I went to I went to the three of the one six one because I knew they were going to fall and I love that. Yeah. So I, I had no more questions. Sarah, you got anything? Um, I guess it, the only thing that I think we'll wrap it up with is uh what would you like to say as a as a family in the guard? We've had so last year we interviewed what like five uh guard families. This year, obviously, it's a lot more difficult to get the interaction and the recording with people to do the same sort of thing. So we're very thankful that you guys were able to do this. But if you could just sort of talk about the family in the Guard thing. And I know that especially for National Guard, uh, all over every state, there's all kinds of families that have uh, a history of service within that state guard. Like we talked to the Barthodes, which have an incredible, like, five decade long service um, within the Washington National Guard. And I guess 
I'm just interested in wrapping it up with sort of like how you guys feel being a family in the Washington National Guard and, and what you would say to other families that might be considering that with their children right now. Okay, uh, well, I'll take a stab at it. Um, so I think that uh, given the opportunity for generational service, uh, I think that it doesn't matter which branch you pick. I think if, whether active duty or, or otherwise, um, I think that the, the military is so many things to different people that it's not for everybody. I guess that's the first thing. But if you like an organization that has a value set, if you like an organization that provides um, opportunity, provides compensation, um, provides education. If you if you value those things uh, and you join the military, then most of the people in the military also value those things. Those things. Um, sometimes, depending on background, the army or any other service uh, is an escape for people. It gets them out of a bad situation. Uh, in others, it gets them into a better situation, and then in some, it, they join simply because they have family. And they are familiar with it. And so it's something that is comfortable and it is something that um, they kind of have an idea of what to expect. Um, the army today is different than the army when I joined. And the army that my sons have joined um, will be different if they decide to stay in uniform as long as I have. So it changes based on what's happening in society. It changes based on what's happening legally changes what's happening based on our foreign policy. And you can't control any of that. But the one thing that I think people need to be aware of is that our institution doesn't really tolerate uh, a whole lot of shenanigans. Um, sure, things happen. People do bad things. Um, that's with any organization, especially one of our size. Um, but it has, a, it has a value set that everyone can line up behind um, that that is good, I think. I don't think you could argue in any way that the things that the Army does in terms of the way we attempt to inculcate values is bad. And I know, you know I don't want to make a, a pitch for, for Army values or something, but it really is an organization that, that has a set of rules and it has a set of norms that go with that, both socially, politically, in terms of training standards. Um, and when it comes down to it, when we are handed uh, a mission or a task or a training event, and it really matters, we always get it done. Sometimes people um, get hurt in the process. Sometimes families get damaged in the process. That's true. Those aren't good things, uh, which, which is the enemy, of course, in which case that's our intent. But it's, it's a place where um, you always come back to a baseline. And that baseline is one of the few things that I think people still in our country have trust in. There's a lot of distrust of the government. There's a lot of frustration with the current restrictions and everything that goes with it. Um, schools being closed and all of that. Uh, businesses, you know, potentially going out of business as a result of the environment. But the army continues to roll along, and and not just the army, but you know the others as well because they're essential to our way of life. And so you're able to provide a small part of yourself in order to enable other people 
to enjoy what our country does provide. So I think, you know, if, if a parent ever questions whether or not they should allow their child um, or their young adults to join the military, um, they, they really shouldn't worry too much because they get a pretty good education all around, not just academically, um, in how to be a reasonable person. Whereas you don't know what they're getting at school. You don't know what they're getting in the army either. But I can tell you that in the army, the army attempts to inculcate a set of values that change the way that you think, the way that you conduct your affairs, the way that you manage your life from day to day. There's a lot of places that do that, but they don't do it as well as we do. I've met very few people in the military that I'm like, that is an evil person. Most people in the military are good, honest, caring people because the institution demands that, regardless of which you know, branch of service you're in. And people can always argue that you know, things don't work the way they're supposed to, and that something was, an outcome was designed and then that didn't come to fruition. But that's true with anything. The difference is here we attempt to do the right thing. And I think that any, any parent that is concerned or any person that's on the fence about joining the military, you, know, you just don't know until you do it. You know, you need to get into it. Once you do get into it, you'll find that it's a great place, which is why when people serve for the majority of their life and they go to retire, they're disappointed. It's not because um, they're disappointed that they're not going to have a good job when they're done. Or they're going to go into a different career that they don't like. They're disappointed because they're going to lose the connection that they have with an organization filled with people that have similar ideals. So you get out of the Army and... People don't care for people the way they do in the Army. Everybody says the Army will do everything it can to screw you over every chance it gets. And that's not true. It's because it's filled with people. These things just happen. You know? But when, when you leave the Army, there are a few places that have the, the camaraderie and the understanding of each other and human dynamics. There's just not, there's places that are, that are good to go and be a part of and be a member of and, and, and an employee at, but they're just not as good as this. Is about the best place it can be. So when you think about what do you do at the end if you've done 20 or 25 or 30 years in the army, I don't know. I don't think you can replace it, which is I think why you go to the VFW and it's filled with old guys that were only in the army for a short amount of time because there's no good replacement for it. So they can come together there and, and they can commiserate over their experience, however long or short it happened to have been. So I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but. Um, you go get your cushy civilian GS job. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's what you get them you title know, five dollars, right? Oh, five, that's right. Yeah, yeah you can jump in. So I, I think I touched on it earlier a little bit. Um, I, I talked about how the army was very similar to the way I grew up, and I really meant that. I uh, I was all over the place. We went to we lived in D.C. and Kansas. Hockey, all over the place and we always had like I said we had people that uh, were very similar to my dad because of the organization they were a part of um, but the, the most important part of that I think is that the, the army is very similar to the way I grew up the way I was raised we're, we're raised to a high standard um, and I think that's that's pro that's a big part of why we're why I think my brother and I are successful is because we were, we were raised uh, 
do, we were expected to do better than we were doing at all, all times. And the Army expects that out of everybody they have. I was told by a, a commander once, um, you will never be put in a job that you are ready for. And, and I think that makes sense. They always expect more out of you. And, and I've come to expect more out of myself from that. And well, I pressed the button with that. Um, my, my dad raised us the same way. And so I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to join the army. Like the signing up was a formality. I was, our, I, I, I was raised in it. I was always, I, I always felt like a part of this organization. Um, and it wasn't just people. I, there, I was always welcomed at events. I'm going to the same events now that I went to when I was 10. And it's, I think it's made all of us better people. I, I probably did. I couldn't formulate it as well as my dad did, but yeah, I, that's what I think about it. That's why they pay him the big bucks. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does Full Bird Son have any anything yeah. to say? Full Bird Son. No. No, he doesn't want to say anything. He's like, no, thanks. I'm a private. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know very much to say. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us uh, for this family style podcast. And um, we appreciate the science experiment. And I will let your dad know when it comes out um, and he can send it to you so you can do the weirdest thing ever, which is listen to yourself talk. So, yeah, it's super weird don't recommend, but go ahead and give it a shot. Um, I have to listen to myself talk all the time when I edit these. So it, I'm a little, it's a little overkill for me, but uh, we appreciate you guys uh, giving us your time and in, in recording this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right.